and welcome to Bring the Virtual Balance from the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. My name is Shermeen and I am your co-host for today. I am joined today with my co-host and fellow Pause Peer mentor, Parmjeet. Um, hello everyone, my name is Parmjeet and we are so happy to be back. For those listeners who are new to Bring the Virtual Balance, in this podcast we discuss a variety of topics that relate to the seven dimensions of the wellness wheel with a focus uh, on how each wellness component affects our student community. We are so excited to bring our first episode of this semester called Women Leaders at Baruch. Our focus of today's episode is to celebrate Women's History Month and have a conversation about the experiences and challenges faced by women. Today, we are so grateful to be joined by our wonderful guests to speak with them about their professional and personal journeys as women leaders at Baruch College. So let's begin by asking everyone if they could tell us a little bit about themselves and what their role at Baruch is. So we'll begin with Bridget. Hello, welcome. I mean, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, I am a professor in the Department of Journalism and the Writing Professions at Baruch. I've been at the college for several years and in my capacity in the department, I teach a range of courses. So I have taught journalism courses, obviously, but also I teach creative writing classes, which includes fiction writing courses as well as screenwriting. Um, and so that's been really rewarding because writing is my first love. So I get to do, I get to do it in a lot of capacities and I get to teach it in a lot of capacities. Hi everyone, welcome. Uh, my name is Elisa Ramian and I'm blessed to be able to work with Sharmeen and Parmjeet and work with an amazing team of PAWS. I am the coordinator of the Office of Health and Wellness, and uh, currently I am also acting as the interim associate director of health and wellness as well. And we are working together to bring programs that will focus on your health, your physical, mental, and spiritual health and to make sure that your experience at Baruch is to its peak. Thank you for your introduction. Um, so our first question for our guest speakers is, growing up, did you always know the field you wanted to pursue a career in? And to follow up on that question, where did this passion for your field come from? And could you also touch upon what experiences in your time at college helped you narrow down to what major slash career you wanted to pursue? I really love thinking about when it was that I decided I wanted to be a writer. I don't think there was a moment. I just loved reading and I loved writing. I didn't know any writers personally. So it didn't occur to me that I could do that as a career, write books, for instance. What I did know was that journalism was available to me. I was that, that young person who was on her school newspaper all the time all the way from elementary school on, in, all the way through to until I got to college. I was the editor-in-chief of my college newspaper. So that felt like a good fit for me. I could write, I could make a living at it, I could interview people, I could be engaged in the world. So that seemed to really make sense. But how did I end up being a professor? Uh, it's funny because when I was a child, I loved playing school and I was always the teacher. My cousin says that I traumatized her because I made her be the student while we played 
with my chalkboard and my chalk and I actually gave her homework. So <laughs> apparently I was setting myself up to become a teacher even without realizing I would choose that path. So I'm one of those fortunate people who has been able to do the two things that I really love. Teaching is a passion and it comes naturally to me. And I would say the same about writing. So how great to be able to do both. I love that you were able to bring both your interests and just do what you love at the end of the day. Yeah. How about you, Elise? Okay, so uh, I was, a, how can I say, a unique type of child. So I never imagined myself in a traditional position. So I wanted to be a space doctor. Like I wanted to study exobiology and I also put shows and I wrote plays and I performed them forcefully, made my family watch them as well. And, you know, told my cousins that I would be directing them. So um, I didn't know that I would be actually working in the field of health and education. But in college, as I learned more about myself, I realized that my passion is theater, is writing, and I have a creative soul, but I also have an inquisitive mind and I utilize both the left and right side of my brain. And um, my path was not a linear one. Um, I wasn't one where I went to school, I graduated and I got my job and then I worked in that job. No, so I did many different things. And as a woman, I feel that we should tap into our creativity and not be afraid to take risks. Uh, society supposedly says that there's this timeline where you know you have to do a certain thing by the time you're 22 and by the time you're 28, you should they be married or you know have a boyfriend and by the time you're 35 and you don't have a house and you're settled down, there's something wrong with you. So personally, I think there's something wrong with you for thinking that there's actually one set timeline for every individual because our DNAs are unique and so our lives are unique. So we shouldn't compare ourselves with other people. And that is the mindset that I have. And that's what I like to share uh, with um, you know, the individuals who come across with me and um, hopefully help them not be afraid and embrace taking risks. I think that's so important because like nowadays there's these expectations that people have like what they have to do based off what society thinks it's supposed to be and all but really it's important to understand that we're all unique we all have our own passions to pursue it and really go for it. Um, so the next set of questions about overcoming obstacles so this questions for everyone as a woman what challenges do you face or did you face in any leadership role that you have held or currently hold? Bridget? I have always been clear that as a woman, you have to command respect. First of all, I learned that from my own mother. I wrote a memoir about her just to, just to share with the world what an incredible role model she was. My mother ran her own underground lottery business for three decades. And that is a business that not only has very few women in uh, leadership roles, but that is 
unregulated. So she had to really demand respect because she knew she couldn't rely on anyone else um, to make sure she was treated fairly. So I grew up in that kind of household. And as I moved out into the world myself, one of the most vivid examples um, that I had, that I experienced in terms of needing to command respect is that I made a feature film um, many years ago. I was the director and the producer and the writer. On the set, it became very clear to me that people were testing me because I was a woman. Would I be able to manage this production? Would there be a mutiny <laughs> on the ship? And so it was a crystal clear example, a vivid one for me, um, of how important it was to command respect and to push past people's assumptions, which you know people have many assumptions about women. And when I was able to do that successfully, the production moved forward and I gained my colleagues respect. And I have found the same to be true even in academia. As a professor, there are assumptions that can be made about you as a woman. Sometimes you're asked to do more of the work. Sometimes you are passed over for the leadership positions. Sometimes your leadership is questioned, but I have always believed if you command respect, then you are on the way to succeeding in your leadership role as a woman, you have to first ensure that people respect you. That's, that's the bedrock of all of it. And, and be willing to be unliked, be willing to be something that's uh, less um, polite than niceness, be willing to have integrity, and stand be behind what you believe in, but know that sometimes that comes with not being liked, with being called something other than nice. And it's okay. It's okay. As long as you are respecting other people, then it's okay to do those things that require people to respect you. Elise? Uh, in the past, um, I uh, felt that my leadership skills might not have been as honed because of the fact that individuals uh, didn't realize that there were going to be repercussions to them not following through on you know, activity that was designated to them. So in, in the past, I uh, worked, well, one, one of the little things that I, one of the side gigs I did was I used to be uh, working in the restaurant and hospitality industry. And I was uh, an assistant manager. This was when I was uh, in undergrad, when I was in college. And um, the staff uh, didn't follow my directions because, they thought that since I was nice and I was uh, understanding that they would be able to take uh, my generosity uh, for granted. And I realized that I had to find a way to balance being stern and also being amiable. And I feel that that's like a, a, a about like a seesaw, like a, a balance that personally I as a 
as a woman I've had to perfect and I don't think that men have to worry as much about that because I don't believe that their authority is ever questioned whereas I feel a woman's authority sometimes is. And to follow up on um, facing um, obstacles and challenges. So according to a KPMG study, they found that over 75% of women in their research working um, in their research working in corporate roles face some sort of imposter syndrome. Have you ever felt um, imposter syndrome or experienced similar doubts at some point in your career? And have you tried to overcome or find solutions to these imposter-like symptoms, um, feel feelings? Um, personally, I haven't realized, I never realized there was this term of, uh, you know, of an imposter symptom, but syndrome, excuse me. Uh, I have found myself at times um, questioning if maybe um, my execution of, of, the, of the language that I use or maybe uh, my behavior um, is not who I really am. I feel like I have like two different worlds, you know, the, the, or two different personalities, the personality that I am at work versus the personality that I am outside of work. Because if I intermingle the two, I might encounter uh, some sort of um, challenge and resistance. So at work, I feel that I'm definitely a different person than when I am um, off duty. Bridget, what about you? I have early in my career felt that sense that maybe I don't belong. How did I get this position? Are they going to find out that I'm not really um, good enough or qualified to, to hold this position. It's been particularly challenging for me because I've often been one of the only or the only African-American in that position. Um, at Baruch College right now in 2021, I am the African-American, male, female, otherwise, in my department. I'm the one. So Unfortunately, that can sometimes come with this self-doubt. And it's also often sort of uh, implicitly suggested that maybe you're not here because of your own qualifications, but for some other reason, right? Some other reason. And so that adds double, that adds more layers of pressure. But I think what is important is to rely upon a tradition of excellence and to know that um, you, I'm standing on the shoulders of women and men who really had even harder challenges that they were able to, um, to meet and surpass and overcome. So that history really feeds me. Also, I am a deep believer in community. And so I have always relied on a community of friends, colleagues, people I can trust, mentors. Mentors are, are vital if you're lucky to have at least one mentor to go to and say, this is how I'm feeling. Because that's the person who can you know, encourage you and remind you that you do deserve to be there. Another thing that I've found is whenever I'm feeling some kind of way about uh, whether I fit in or I'm good enough, Sometimes I just 
educate myself more. I get uh, more up to speed on the thing that is causing insecurity. So I can build my own confidence. So I can remind myself, you've put it, you have put in the work and you know what you're talking about. And if you feel like maybe you don't, because we don't know everything. And sometimes we don't feel we have as women the space to learn and grow in a role. And so I remind myself, it's okay to not know. And it's okay to go find out what you need to know. So that's important too, to not have to feel that you need to know everything. And that's not, that doesn't mean you're inadequate. That means you're growing and you're learning. And so, yeah, I try to be a mentor to as many young women as I can because I understand the role that that can play in someone's life. So if I had to pick one of the things I've just discussed, I would say to anyone suffering from imposter syndrome, find and rely upon a mentor who believes in you. I think that's really important what you just mentioned there, especially just the fact like, I didn't know personally, like, and I'm not sure if many students even know that the fact that maybe you're the only African-American who's within your own department, the only one individual. And so, you know, we have so many new students coming in who belong to minority groups and maybe they're looking for that individual, that mentor who they can connect to, but they necessarily don't know about this individual. So I wanted to know actually for you, like um, if you do identify and belong to a group with minority status, how did that affect you early on? So did you have that mentor? Did you have someone um, early on in your career building up who you could maybe learn more from um, who really helped you during your journey? Do you want to speak about that? Yes. yes, I was really fortunate. When I came to Baruch, I was really young um, and I was excited and I believed that I could contribute uh, both because I too was um, from a working class family like many of my students and I too was a person of color like many of my students. I understood the immigrant experience which isn't that different from in some ways the whole experience of having a black family migrate north, you know, moving to another place to better your lives, your life. So I felt I had these points of connectivity but I was green so to speak. I was new at this. And fortunately, I had a colleague um, in my department, the department program director, Rosalind Bernstein, uh, who chose to mentor me, both nurturing my career, offering advice, being a friend, and seeing me for who I was, never suggesting that I should try to be something I wasn't. You're here because we want diversity, she said to me. Your voice matters. Your experience matters. It's valuable to other people. We want you for the fullness of who you are. And I'm going to help you, based on my own experience, you know, just get better at what you do and, and help you navigate the politics and the aspects of the job that are really complicated. I'm going to be your advocate. I'm going to be your advocate. So I don't know how different my experience at Baruch might have been had I not had that mentoring experience, which is again why I try to give back as much as possible to my colleagues, my younger colleagues, as well as my, my students. Thank you for that thought. How about Elise? Um, 
Well, the minority that I identify with is being a woman. And my background is uh, Armenian and um, we're considered Caucasian. So I'm considered uh, being white. However, um, the irony is that growing up, um, my my classmates who are like 100%, I never really thought of myself as 100% Caucasian because I speak another language. English was never my first language. Um, and also, I was also kind of like made fun of when I was younger because I didn't look like everyone else. So I couldn't really find where I fit in because I didn't fit in with the um, the Caucasian with the whites uh, with my white classmates. And obviously, I'm not you know like black. I'm not African American. I don't speak Spanish. I'm not Latina, and I just feel that. I just had to figure out like what my identity was. But as far as, you know, school opportunities, scholarships and job opportunities, I've never felt that I had an obstacle if I have to be honest, other than the fact that English was not my first language. And if anything, I just worked harder because uh, my family instilled uh, the value of working hard. Uh, striving for what you believe in, instilling, um, you know, like strong work ethic in, in me. So, yeah. Thank you for, for everyone um, for sharing how you have overcome obstacles throughout your um, professional journeys. Um, a, an obstacle we are all currently facing is dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, it is especially interesting to see how the pandemic has affected um, women all around the world. So according to the CDC website, um, two out of every three caregivers are women. Over this past year, with some work sites, schools, and childcare centers closed because of COVID-19, many caregivers must manage work while also teaching and caring for their children. Balancing more than one role can be hard when you are taking care of children. So now we would like to ask all our guest speakers, um, as a woman, you may face multiple roles at home, whether as a daughter, a mother, wife, sister, et cetera. How has the pandemic blurred these, blurred these boundaries for you? And how have you dealt with this? Were you able to find a middle ground and able to balance these multiple roles? Um, we can start with Elise. Sure, so um, as, a, as a daughter, I've um, become a lot more concerned uh, for um, my, my mom because, um, I mean, she's not like, very old she's not super old but uh she is over the age of 60 and I am concerned for her because you know she's also unfortunately a smoker and I every day I, I worry about her um you know contracting COVID the second she steps out even though she wears a mask even though um she's uh going to get vaccinated she hasn't gotten vaccinated yet um, but as, as a daughter, I have become much more concerned for her. And also, as, as, a, as a woman who is not married, I'm also thinking about my future because I'm asking myself, questioning my reproductive health and wondering if I do want to have children because I'm not certain that 
with everything that's going on in the world, uh, I'd want to be a mother and try to teach, you know, my child um, how to deal with um, like all the obstacles and all the, all, the, all the new norm and actually bring them into a world where um, there's like a dwindling supply of, of resources. So I've been just, you know, doing some soul searching on that. Bridget? I think that it has relieved some and created new ones, right? Like on the one hand, slowing down, I think has been good in a lot of ways for, for many women because we are multitaskers by nature and we're controlling and managing. I, I am clearly the overall manager of the household here. And I think that's a lot of women's roles. A lot of women can say the same thing. And just being able to slow down the way the pandemic has forced us to has allowed more space in my day and more time to think and more time to focus on self-care. And in that sense, I think it's been good, but it's been so isolating. And women are by and large social creatures. And I think we have often gotten our sustenance from interactions with our friends and our loved ones and our, our, our mothers and our sisters and our aunties. I mean, we, uh, we have used that to sustain us. And so it's a crazy thing to be given more time for yourself, but to have your community taken away from you, right? It's, um, it's hard, it's hard because I'm glad there's been more time for self-reflection. Self I think we needed that. We've all moved too quickly and too fast. And it's such a pace that we haven't had it before. And at the same time, I'm really sorry that we've all had to be doing this alone. Um, I, I really like that you brought up the idea of like slowing down and self-reflection because I feel like um, it's just something that we all have need to sort of be present in the moment and realize what's going on. And the idea of like, so like our next question is how have you been taking care of yourself when overwhelmed by the many responsibilities you have? And are there any things you've been doing for your self care? And I feel like currently um, a lot of people realize that they do need to look into what self care is for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, our, that's our next question. Well, I'm so happy to take my shower every morning, you know, no matter what. For me, hygiene is super important. So I take two showers a day, one in the morning, and then of course, after I work out, and then before I go to bed, because that puts me into like my sleep routine. Um, that's one thing I definitely do for myself. Another thing that I do for myself is I, I make sure that I go to Trader Joe's and I have all the food that makes me happy. All right. I want my Bomba, my, my Bomba puffs and I want my, you know, chocolate covered, dark chocolate covered marshmallows. These are things that if I have one a day, they bring me joy. So, yeah. Bridget. 
Yeah, it's it, it's really important, I think, to figure out what you need for you. Like I could tell you what I do and it's basically working for me, but I don't know that that's what would work for someone else, another woman who's finding herself stressed. It has helped to have a regular meditation practice for me. I just use a meditation app and it's just 10 minutes every morning before my day starts. I also am fortunate that I do have a writing practice and that is meditative in its own way. And it makes me feel that life is moving forward. You know, for so long, it didn't feel like anything was moving forward, but something about writing and showing up to my work every day gives me a sense of hope. Um, I also walk now more than I had been. Going for walks has really done so much good, you know, for not just my overall physical health, but my psyche. Because life is still happening, you know, people are still out, people are, you know, in their gardens, uh, in the front of their homes, people are walking their children from point A to point B, people are walking their dogs, just that kind of witnessing of life happening has been really helpful. Anything that can get us out of our like interior spaces, I think it's really important. So those are a few things that have helped me immensely. Um, but I do believe it's about figuring out what you need and, and giving yourself permission to have it. Like if binge watching, you know, a reality show is what does it for you. If ever it was okay, now is the time when that's okay, because that can be healing in its own way too. Yeah. Absolutely. That's very important. Like every individual is different. So whatever, maybe self-care for you may be different from others, but right now is the time. And so right now we're headed to the closing of our podcast. So the final questions that we have, um, so this is directly for the listeners listening in. This is for you guys. Um, so to begin with the closing questions, are there any daily reminders, quotes, affirmations that you use on a daily basis to encourage yourself or boost your confidence when working? Hmm. One that really I used a lot through the early months of the pandemic was that classic, is it biblical? I don't know, but that universal saying, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, because it felt like it was not going to. And it felt for a while like we were just going to be in this um, really stressful and, and toxic environment. The politics, the racial injustice and the racial awakening that was happening around that injustice and the pandemic, it felt unbelievable. I'm sure we all experienced it. And that saying really moved me along um, through some of those darker days. So I try to remind myself um, that life does keep moving forward, that life is actually um, biased on the side of growth. And this season reminds all of us of that, right? That, that things are springing up anew. And somehow that gives me so much encouragement just to be reminded that 
we're all ever evolving. Even when it feels pretty stagnant, life is still moving forward. How about you, Elise? Uh, yes, just the Nike, just do it. Because sometimes, you know, you don't want to do it, but just do it. I know that's like pretty linear and not that deep, but you know, for a change, I'm going to just keep it simple. <laughs> just do it. Even with that, like just do it like three words, but it gets, it really tells you like, just, just got to do it. It gets the point across nice and simple. Yeah. Just a simple um, daily reminder, like just do it. Um, so we also want to ask our um, guest speakers, what is one lesson or one thing you have learned over the past year about yourself? Um, it could be anything in general or a lesson or tip you would like your present self to remember on a daily basis. That's such a great question. Um, okay, you know what I realized? I realized that it's really okay to forgive myself. Something about this pandemic has made all of those self-critical uh, sort of voices in my head calm down, quiet down. Because in reality, nothing that most of us could think we've done could be so, uh, so terrible that we can't forgive ourselves. After all, we're getting through a pandemic. So we have to forgive ourselves. And I think for a lot of women, that's very hard to do. And it dawned on me that, wow, I'm forgiving myself quicker now for small things, big and small. Just the idea that you can say, you know what? I did the best I could with what I knew and I'm going to forgive myself and move on. Somehow that became much much more um, vivid for me across this past year. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's what I'm gonna carry forward, that ability to forgive myself and move on. So I've learned to tell myself to calm down because I am, you know, super energetic and pretty hyper. If I were on, on campus, I would not be sitting on my desk for like three, four hours. It's not my style. I like to work and then take breaks and I feel more creative that way. I feel like I think better when I'm just like walking and then I get an idea and then I, I work on it. But at home, I have learned that I can't do that because I'm home. Where am I? I'm going to walk up and down the stairs uh, and go where? To the basement? Like there's literally no place to go to like bother my cat maybe. And I don't know, uh, go on the balcony. There's no interaction. I have no coworkers, no colleagues to, to connect with. And uh, that has probably helped me realize that I, I have to, you know, be still more and, and just calm down and, um, you know, do it, like, just do it, do the work. I'm so happy that, like, we got the opportunity to at least reflect upon ourselves and our past and what we can learn from these experiences. And so now, um, looking, I know for the people listening in today, um, they 
They might be people who are considering starting off as leaders on the campus, or maybe those professionals who are trying to think what they should do next. And like, if they should go for that opportunity, they've always wanted to, should they not? Um, but at, for our final question of the day, we just wanted to ask our panelists. So do you have any piece of advice or words of encouragement for the listeners today who may be getting started as these leaders and in whether it be on campus or in the professional environment, anything that they like from your experiences, something that's really helped you out that today you'd like to pass on to our listeners that they can learn and really take forth. I have to say that my mother's wisdom comes back to me now. And she often said, you know, she believed in that quote, to that who much is given, much is expected. And so it's another way of saying the best type of leadership is to understand it as service. And that is really how I move through the world. That's my experience at Baruch. In my mind, I am in service to the students. What a gift to be able to have some impact on these young people's lives and be there as an as a encouragement, a guide to answer questions, to be of assistance, to share my wisdom and my knowledge. And then hopefully you can carry that forward in the world so that one day you can help someone else. That is the ultimate form of service. And it's really a, about having that kind of attitude about your profession and your leadership role that allows you to, to avoid, for the most part, burnout. Because I find thinking about it as service rejuvenates me on a regular basis. And if I didn't feel that way, then I could see this sense of, um, you know, fatigue and a sense of responsibility weighing me down. But I, I tend not to feel that way at all. I think of it as an opportunity because I'm serving. I'm serving, it's a gift. I feel that if you are questioning, if you have some type of curiosity and you're, you're questioning if you should do it, I think that you should. And then, you know, try the role and see how uh, you acclimate yourself to it or if it's something for you. And then you could decide because, for example, I mean, this is a maybe a, a petty uh, analogy, but when you go shopping and you are maybe shopping for like a, a, a summer dress and you're going to try on different colors. And, you know, when you look at the, the, the item, it looks different than when you physically try it on because, you know, the different hues are going to be reflected, you know, on your face and once you try it on, you're asking yourself, okay, do I like it? Okay, yes, I like it. And then maybe you'll buy it or then, oh, you don't like it, you don't buy it. Or maybe you thought you liked it, you put it on, you're like, oh no, this is not for me. And I feel that would be the same for, um, you know, positions for, for work. And this is the opportunity. College is the opportunity for you to try things out because you're not marrying the position it's not a full-time job it's a it's an opportunity for you to experience things here so if you have any type of curiosity any type of thought do it and then once you're in it then you could decide if you like it you'll stay in it if not then you'll like if you 
you like what you did when you were trying on clothes you liked it you bought it and if you didn't like it you know you didn't so i think that's what you know that's the advice that i would give we do want to say thank you so much for your amazing words of encouragement and giving such good advice to our listeners who are tuning in today um this has been such a wonderful insightful conversation and we're so glad you were able to join us today I'm so glad you guys invited me. Thank you both so much. This was wonderful. And I look forward to hearing everyone else's words of wisdom. I, I'm excited to learn some things. <laughs> Thank you everyone again for the listeners too. Just remember if anyone has any questions, they can reach out to health and wellness at baruch.cuny.edu. And again, so many thanks to Bridgette, to all our speakers who came out today just to really speak to our listeners and to share their experience once and for all. Yes, thank you.